Can't wait to get back. If you'd open your Bibles to John chapter 6. John chapter 6. And if you have any um, questions about the video or anything about New Guinea, or if you haven't gotten one of our prayer cards, I encourage you after the service tonight to come back to the back table there and um, I'd be willing to answer any of your questions. And if I don't know the answer, I will um, try and find out for you. And um, growing up in New Guinea, I, you know, you, you grew up there and you know a lot about the country and the culture and stuff because that's where you grew up. But there's some, a lot of statistical stuff that you don't really think about growing up there. And when we first started deputation, we went to a church in Washington, and somebody raised their hand in the congregation and asked me, "Does it rain? Uh, how much does it rain in New Guinea?" Growing up there, I knew it rained a lot. I knew that we had a rainy season and a dry season. The rainy season, we'd get rain almost every night, and it would downpour. During the dry season, we'd get rain like every three weeks or so like that. And I knew it rained a lot, but I had no clue how, how many inches of rain we got. And I, I told the guy, you know, basically what I just told you, and then told him that, you know, I, I honestly don't know how many inches, but I'd be interested to find out. And that night I went and, and Googled it. I was surprised to, um, to find out that, um, that New Guinea gets 138 inches of rain annually. Just to kind of put that in comparison, Washington is known as the state that gets the most rain. Um, if you ever go to Seattle, it's probably raining. And um, Washington annually gets 38 inches of rain a year. Now, that's the whole state. The eastern part doesn't get as much as the western part, but there's places in Washington that get a little bit more than that. But that's kind of to put it in perspective. New Guinea gets about 138, and Washington gets 38 inches annually. That was shocking to me. Um, Even though I grew up there, I knew it rained a lot, um, but now I know how much. So that was was interesting for me to find out. And as we travel, it's neat to actually... Um, think more about the country and learn learn n- new things about the country, even though I grew up there. That has nothing to do with the message. I just thought it was interesting. Um, if you have your Bibles open to John chapter 6, we're going to begin reading in verse number 5. John chapter 6 and verse number 5, the Bible says, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company come unto him, He said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? And this he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them that every one of them may take a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There's a lad here which hath five barley loaves and Two small fishes. But what are they among so many? And Jesus said, Make the men sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number of about about five thousand. And Jesus took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed to his disciples, and the disciples to them that were set down. 
and likewise of the fish, and as many as they would. Then they were filled, he said unto his, when they were filled, he said unto his disciples, Gather up the fragments that remain, that nothing be lost. Therefore they gathered them together, and filled twelve baskets with the fragments of the barley loaves, of the five barley loaves which remained over and above unto them that had eaten. With God's help tonight, I'd like to preach a message entitled, Allowing God to Use What You Have. Allowing God to Use What You Have. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight wanting to hear from you. Lord, I pray that our hearts will be open. I pray that we will listen to your word and what you have to say to us tonight. Lord, I pray that you'll give me the words and the wisdom to say what you would have me to say. Lord, we don't want to hear from me tonight. Lord, we want to hear from you. And Lord, I pray that you will just work through this message, Lord. Work through your word. Lord, I pray that these things and we'll give you all the honor and glory for it. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. God began to work on my heart about preaching this message earlier, and it was interesting that Pastor actually used this passage as an illustration in his message this morning, and it was actually brought up in our um, life group this morning that I went into, and um, it's just interesting how that kind of all comes together when, you know, I, I had no idea. But... When it comes to missions and we think about the Great Commission, we think about how Matthew sixteen fifteen says, And he said unto them, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Jesus told his disciples, Go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We think about the Great Commission and how the God wants us to go and share the gospel with everybody. Every living human being. And we step back from that and we think about now today in our world, there's over 7 billion people. And maybe the thought occurs to us, can that really be done? Is that really possible? To reach this whole world. To share the gospel to this whole world. Seems, if you think about it, humanly logically, Logically, it would seem like an impossible task. The disciples that this day when they saw the multitudes come unto Jesus and it was time for them to eat. And in, in Mark 6.36, we see that the disciples told Jesus, Jesus, send them away. There's no way we can give these people food. Jesus, send them away. It's an impossible task to be able to give them food. Jesus told Philip in the text here that, um, that you give them something to eat. And Philip began to reason and began to think up, how am I going to feed all these people? This is impossible. And tonight, we're going to see three aspects of how God makes the impossible possible. How God makes the impossible possible. Through allowing God to use what we have. First off, we see in verse number 5 and verse number 6, 
We see when Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw the great company come unto him, he said unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? We see the resources that God chose to use that day. The resources that God chose to use that day were human resources. No doubt, God, Jesus, God in the flesh, could have called manna from heaven that day. He did it in the past. No doubt, He could have called birds to bring everybody food that day. He did that in the past. It was the same God. But that day, He chose to use human resources. That day, He chose to, in Matthew 14, 16, same story. The same story in the Bible. The Bible says, But Jesus said unto them, They need not depart. Give ye them to eat. Give ye them to eat. That day he chose to use human resources. Just like in Matthew 28 and Mark 16, the Bible tells us to go ye into all the world. God has chosen to use human resources to fulfill His will in this, on this earth. God, no doubt, could have had angels come down and share the gospel. They probably would have done a better job. But He chose to use you, and He chose to use me. The God of heaven, who created heaven and earth, who spoke and the mountains were made, and the fish were in the sea, and the, the animals came forth said, I want you, I've chosen you to take the gospel to this world. I've chosen you to tell the, the most important thing, the most important message anybody could ever tell anybody. I've chosen you to do that. I've chosen you to take that. He chose to use human resources when it comes to the gospel, just like he chose this day with the feeding of the 5,000. God chose to use human resources to fulfill His will. How awesome is that, that an almighty God who spoke the world into existence has chosen to use us to do His will, to fulfill His will. When we consider ourselves and look at the world around us, we quickly realize that, to be honest, we're insignificant for this task in front of us. We see that God chose to use human resources that day, but also He chose to use insignificant resources. Philip, in verse number 7, tried to think, now we have this many people and we need, we need this, this much food to, to give them just a snack. We need 200 penny worth of bread. But that's even not sufficient for them that, they, that every one of them may take just a little. And Philip began to consider the cost and began to think about how much it would cost and how much they need to gather together. 200 penny worth in that day and age would be 200 days wages. According to Idaho's um, hourly wage of 725 an hour, Philip was estimating that it would cost about $11,600 to give these people a snack. He began to reason, how can I get this money? How can I figure out how to get this stuff together? He realized there was no way that he could do that. 
So many times when it comes to reaching this world, so many times when it comes to what God wants us to do, our first response humanly, we say, well, how can I do that? If I only had this, if I only had this talent, if I only had this, these finances, then I could do something for the Lord. That day, God was not interested in using what they wished they had or what they thought they needed. But he wanted to use what they had, what he already knew they had. Just like God today wants to use what you have, if you're willing to give it to him. God today wants to use your talents, your time, your finances to fulfill his work. He doesn't need no millionaire to say, here, I'm going to give all this to missions. No, he simply needs his people to be willing to give what they have. God knew what they had before he even asked. We see that in verse number 6. God, uh, and he said to prove him, for he himself knew what he would do. God knew what was going to happen. Jesus knew that that boy was going to bring those, that bread and those fish, and that he was going to multiply it, and he was going to do a great miracle that day. But he wanted to see if the disciples would simply trust him to use what they already had. He knew that the only resources they had to man would seem inadequate and insignificant. But that is what God chose to use that day. If we reason within ourselves, God could never use me. I don't have the talent for this. I don't have the resources for this. We're right, we don't. But God simply wants us to give it to Him and let Him do a miracle in our lives. We see the resources that God chose to use. But in verse number 8 and verse number 9, we see the gift that was given. Verse number 8 and 9, we see one of His disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said unto him, There is a lad here which had five barley loaves and two small fishes, but what are they among so many? We see that as Philip was trying to calculate out how much this would cost to feed these people. Here, here we see another disciple, Simon Peter, uh, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, bringing somebody to Jesus. Instead of trying to figure out how it's all going to work, why don't we just go out and reach somebody for Jesus? This boy came and he offered his lunch. The gift that was given, no doubt, on the part of the boy was a very sacrificial gift. No doubt on the part of the boy, this was the only lunch that he had. No doubt on the part of the boy, just like everybody else there that day, they were, he was hungry and he was ready to eat. And instead of hiding in a corner saying, I'm going to eat this for myself, he brought his lunch to Jesus. No doubt, this boy was hungry from his journey around the Sea of Galilee to come and see Jesus. We read in the prior chapters that Jesus and his disciples got in a boat and went across the Sea of Galilee. And people followed around to come and see him. Many estimate that that journey around the sea would have been over 10 miles to walk. No doubt this young lad walking those 10 miles and coming to hear Jesus was exhausted and was famished. 
No doubt it was a sacrificial gift that this boy brought to Jesus. I wonder what we have that Jesus wants to use to reach this world for Christ, but we're holding on to it because we say, well, that would be too much of a sacrifice. That would be too hard to let go. Man, I'm hungry. I wonder what Jesus wants to use in your life, what talents He wants to use. Maybe it's time that He wants to use so that you can reach your coworker or your neighbor for the Lord Jesus Christ. But we say, oh, that's too much of a sacrifice. This boy gave a sacrificial lunch that day. What do we have that we can give to Jesus to feed the multitudes of this world? Yes, it probably will be a sacrifice. But is that too much to give to Jesus who gave His all for us? In our American society, there's so many things that we think we need and we think we want. Recently, I, um, I um, started buying Apple products, and um, if you haven't gotten there yet, you need to get there fast. And, um, but I, 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 um, my dad bought a Mac uh, Book Pro, and he didn't like it. I don't know why. And um, I convinced him to sell it to me um, at a really good price. And so after getting that, then I was like, oh, I need um, an iPhone. And then my contract was up, so I got, I got that. And then, um, and then I, need, I thought, you know, oh, I, now I need an iPad. And it was, it was amazing to me how that I just felt I needed this. I just felt this, man, if I don't have this, the family's not complete. You know? <laughs> If, and it was, it was honestly, there, there was just this mindset of, you know what, I'm, I'm going to save and I'm going to get this and I'm, I'm going to buy an iPad and I'm going to buy an iPhone and I'm going to have a MacBook. And they're all like three years old, but hey, I still have them all, okay? And, um, but it's amazing to me that's how our society works here, where we think that giving up something like an iPad Oh, that's a sacrifice. When around the world, they haven't even heard of that. And they live life every day without it. When we think that we have to drive the newest and the best cars, and, and, we, and we spend all our money in that, and we're, and we're sacrificing if we get a two-year-old or three-year-old car. When half the world, more than half the world, walks every day to their job. It's amazing what we consider a sacrifice. But are we willing to give it to the Lord? Are we willing to say, Lord, you know what? You've given me this. Lord, honestly, this is yours. Lord, honestly, if you want to use this, if you want to use my finances, I know I want to buy this to upgrade, but Lord, honestly, if... If I can change somebody's life all the way across the world, isn't that better? Isn't that worth more? Sacrifice. This boy knew that his lunch that day was going for a better cause. 
This boy knew that day. I don't know if this boy knew that, that his lunch was going to be multiplied, but he knew he was giving it to Jesus. And maybe he thought, you know what? Jesus is hungry. I'm going to give him my lunch. He was willing to sacrifice. He was willing to go without so that Jesus could have his lunch, so that Jesus could use what he had. And I'm not against, I praise the Lord for America and the stuff that we have sometimes. And I'm not against all of it, but I think we need to put our priorities right. I think we need to realize that a lot of things that we as Americans say we need, really it's a lot of wants when this world goes without so much. You who are going on the India trip, I praise the Lord for that opportunity for this church. You will see people poorer than you've ever seen in your life. People in America say they're poor and they're destitute. They don't know what poor is. You'll realize that the rest of the world isn't like America. It's amazing to me growing up in New Guinea how that, how that people that didn't have anything, the minimum wage there in New Guinea is a dollar an hour, how that when we would raise money to build a church in New Guinea or to, um, to help another national pastor. It was amazing to me how those people, out of poverty, out of, they hardly had anything, would, would sell what's in their gardens, would sell, sell something that they held dear to them to bring it to say, I'm going to give this to the Lord so that the gospel could go out. It's amazing. Are we willing to simply give what we have to the Lord? so that He can do what He needs to do with it. Are we willing to sacrifice? No doubt this gift was a sacrificial gift. In comparison to the multitude around Him, this gift was a very small gift. To the boy, it was a sacrificial gift. It was all that he had. It was the only lunch he had. And he, wasn't, he didn't know if he was going to get anything else until he traveled to ten miles back home. But when you look at the crowd around him, five barley loaves and two small fish. These weren't, these weren't five loaves of French bread and two king salmon. No, this was a boy's lunch. Many people said that it's more like five crackers and two sardines. It was small compared to these thousands of people that were sitting out there hungry. Many times when we give something to the Lord, we, we give it and the devil puts in our mind, well, that's really not going to do anything. What's that going to do for the seven billion people in this world? But never let Satan tell you, don't ever think that what God allows you to give is too small for God to use. Because God wants to use it just as he used this boy's lunch that day. We see the resources that God chose to use and the gift that was given. Thirdly, tonight we see the miracle that God performed. The miracle that God performed when we give our all to God, God can and will do great miracles. God, 
Jesus Christ, God in the flesh here, he took those, those loaves of bread and those two fish and he gave thanks to God. We give thanks to God for what he's given us. He gave thanks to God and he broke the bread. and He gave it to his disciples said, here, feed, feed these people. The Bible tells us that there was over 5,000, that there's 5,000 men that day. Many estimate to be fifteen to 20,000 people that day with women and children. And as the disciples went out with these baskets, and the baskets didn't get empty, they gave it to this crowd over here sitting in groups of 50, and they brought it to this crowd over here, and it just kept coming. So much that the Bible tells us that they ate, And they didn't just eat and what man's resources, how Philip figured it all out, they were just going to get a snack. But when God did a miracle that day, they ate and they were full and there were leftovers. Because why? God did a miracle. God did a miracle because there was a boy who was willing to give his all to the Lord. Moses, in the book of Exodus, chapter 3 and chapter 4, we find Moses the backside of a desert herding sheep. And God came to him in a burning bush and said, Moses, I want you to go to the, back to Egypt and I want you to bring my children out of Egypt. And Moses said, no way, Lord. I can't do that. Lord, I, I'm slow with speech. There's no way I can speak to Pharaoh. Are you kidding me? Have you seen Pharaoh's army? I grew up there. I know what Pharaoh's capable of. Lord, I'm not going back there. And God began to work in Moses' life, and Moses came to a point where he said, Okay, Lord, I'll do it. I'll give my all to you to bring your people out of Egypt. And God used Moses to bring an entire nation, many believe over a million people, out of Egypt, across the Red Sea, and to the Promised Land. Moses, see somebody great? Yeah, he was a great man that we learn about in the Bible, but he became great simply when he gave his all to the Lord. Jonah, we see in the book of Jonah and how Jonah, God told Jonah, Jonah, go to Nineveh and preach to this city so so that they repent so I won't destroy them. Jonah said, you can destroy them, God. I don't care. I'm not preaching to them. I'm going the other way. He got on a boat and he tried to flee from the will of God. And God got a hold of that boat and shook it around and they tossed Jonah out and he ended up in a whale's belly. And Jonah in that whale's belly confessed and said, God, okay, if you want me to go, I'll go. He said, Lord, here's my all. Lord, I give you my all and I'll go preach to those people in Nineveh. And God, through a series of circumstances, took him out of the fish belly and off he went to Nineveh and he preached. He preached in Nineveh and he saw a whole nation turn to God. Why? Because Jonah was such a great man? No. Because he said, Lord, here am I. Use me. Lord, if you'll still use me, even though I told you no, even though I tried to run from you, then I give you my life. Many times we hear these stories and we say, man, that was great. Look at the miracles that God did in Bible times. Look at what God did in people's lives and how He used them. 
But man, that's Bible times. It doesn't happen anymore. But I tell you tonight that God still wants to do something in our lives. God still wants to do miracles in our lives. God still is a God of miracles. A few years ago, there was a young man that barely graduated from high school. His worst class was speech. And he went to speech class and it was required in his high school and he he skipped it all all throughout high school excuse me and um skipped it all throughout high school came to his senior year and signed up for the class because he knew he wouldn't graduate without it but every time it was time for him to give a speech he skipped class his teacher got a hold of him and told him listen if you don't if you don't come to speech class, if you don't give your speeches, you're going to fail. You're not going to be able to walk this May. The young man said, there's no way that I can stand in front of people. There's no way that I, can, that I could give a speech even in front of my class. The teacher said, okay, I'll make you a deal. If you give one speech, ten minutes long, you can read it, I'll pass you in the class this young man said okay I'll do it and he he prepared that day with a speech and stood up there in front of his class and began to give his speech and got nervous and his eyes were all blurry and couldn't even read the words in front of him his speech lasted a minute and 30 seconds and out the door he went saying he'd never get in front of anybody again His speech teacher, out of sympathy, passed him that year, and he graduated high school, and graduated high school, and he began to feel that God was calling him into the ministry. He immediately said, God, there's no way. Did you see me in speech class? Yeah, there's no way. There's no way that I could ever do anything for you in the ministry. I'm inadequate. I'm in- insignificant, Lord. You can't use me. But God began to burden his heart and kept burdening his heart. And he went to his pastor and, and told his pastor about it. And said, Pastor, I believe God's calling me into ministry. His pastor said, are you sure? I don't think you're cut out for that. And he left the pastor's office saying, God, pastor doesn't think I can do it, so I guess I'm not going to do it. But he, he couldn't shake the burden. God began to work in his life and he surrendered and went to Bible college. And while at Bible college, he met a young lady that was not raised in a Christian home. She actually came to know the Lord through the bus ministry. Through the bus ministry, she was saved and her sisters were saved. And Eventually, her mom and dad were saved. And they met and fell in love and got married and, and left Bible college and worked in, in some different ministries. And eventually, God called them to be missionaries to Papua New Guinea. Over 20 years has passed now, and 
My parents have been missionaries in New Guinea for over 20 years. By the grace of God, my dad's seen five churches started, several hundreds people saved. But if you were to ask them, how did this happen? Why? Is it because you're a great preacher? If you know my dad, he'd very humbly say, no. It wasn't because of of me. It was because simply I gave my all to God. And God did a miracle. God has chosen to use human resources to reach this world with the gospel. God simply wants us to give what we have and let Him bring the increase. But the question is, are you willing? Are we willing to give our all to Him? Many times we want to see mission work go forward. We want to see people saved but we're not willing to get involved. We're not willing to pay that price. We're not willing to sacrifice. We're not willing to say, Lord, here am I, send me. We're not willing to simply give our all to God. And we don't see the miracles that God wants to do in our lives. With every head bowed and every eye closed as we stand to our feet. I don't know how God used this in your life tonight. I know while studying this portion of Scripture, I realized that I want God to use me. I want God to do something great in my life. I want God to do a miracle in my life. But the only way I'm going to see that happen is if I'm willing to give my all to Him. If I'm willing to say, Lord, I'm nothing. But Lord, if you chose to use me, if you'll use me for your honor and your glory, Lord, I'm going to give my all to you. I wonder if you're here tonight, and that's your prayer. I wonder if you're here tonight, maybe God talked to you about giving up something, something that you know God wants to use in your life, but you're holding on to it so dearly. Give it to God, you'll never regret it. I don't know how God spoke to your heart tonight, but I pray that you'll make a decision tonight to give your all to Him. Pastor. Play as the altar's open. You do what God wants you to do. Come right now on, on the first verse as she plays. Your lunch is not too small for God, and your lunch is not too big for God. Are you willing to give all to Him? Come right now.